It's the last day of the year, and you're in church. Tomorrow is Monday, the first day of a new year, the first day of a new month, the first day of a new week. There is literally no excuse at all for you not to be able to start fresh tomorrow. You're doing better. We're already doing better than first service. They weren't so sure. But I'm glad we're connecting on this level. So there's no excuse at all. So I want to tell you before we get into any scripture or anything that if you need to make a fresh cut with 2017, this might have been a wonderful year. Some of y'all got married. Some of y'all had kids. Some of y'all did some amazing things. But some other of us in the crowd, some rough times. We lost some close family or friends. There's some. So just however it was in the ups and downs, if you need to make a fresh cut, a fresh start, uh, right now is the time to do it. Confess what you need to confess to God. Pray the prayer that you need to pray it. And just commit yourself anew to Him. You've been set up. I've been set up. It's Sunday. It's the last day of 2017. Uh, how about you say we, we head into 2018 together looking for some new... Anybody with me? There we go. There we go. Sounding good. Let's jump into the Scriptures. I want to go to Romans chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we've got guys coming down the aisle right now. They'll hook you up with a Bible. And uh, feel free to take it and use it. If you don't have a Bible of your own and you want to take it home with you, write your name in it and go ahead. might be a great way to start 2018, committing to read the Bible through next year or the New Testament through next year, something along those lines. So thank you. But we want to be in Romans uh, 15 and we want to read the first seven verses here. We don't usually like to jump in in the middle of an argument, but to save you from hearing me read all of chapter 14, We'll just go with the last seven verses as Paul wraps up uh, as it is uh, kind of an argument within an argument uh, uh, that he's making to the Roman church. So we want to go to Romans 15. These are seven power packed verses and uh, we're going to unpack them a little bit in just a few minutes. Uh, But let's read and then we'll pray and, and jump in. We who are strong, verse one, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures... We might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together, somebody say together, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, as he wraps up this part, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you For the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful to be in this place today with others who are seeking you and striving to follow you. We thank you that your presence is among us, that you've promised that as we profess the name of Jesus and we gather together, that you dwell in our midst. 
We thank you for a chance to look into your word. We thank you for a chance to pray and repent. We thank you for a chance to send 2017 out and ring in 2018 on this day. And we pray that you would guide our hearts and our minds uh, and help us to be submissive to your word and to your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In the social media world, there's a semi-famous guy named Dan Pierce. He goes by the alias of Single Dad Laughing. And I don't know the guy except through some posts that I've seen over the past few years in social media. But one caught my attention. He's always trying to do something, trying to generate response, trying to get people on board with something that he's doing. And so several years ago, he decided that he was going to send out a text message to a bunch of Numbers that he didn't know uh, who they belonged to just to see if he could get a response. And uh, so he sends out to 306 uh, random numbers in his own area code. He sends out a text message that says this. I can't help but think you are an incredibly amazing and wonderful person. Just say it. So imagine you get that text message on your phone. You see it. Uh, and uh, you have no clue who the number was, is, what, what, who, whose number it is, who it was from. And so most of us probably would go immediately to settings and block that number, right? That's what most of us would do. And most people, there were no response. Uh, in general, if he did get a response, it looked something like this. Who is this and how did you get my number? Uh, but some people did respond. Some people kind of played along. One person said this, Why, thank you, darling. So are you. Another one took it a little bit farther and said, You forgot sexy, smart, and funny. Since we're going down the list, right? Now, just so you know, I, I tried this uh, on one person who I did know yesterday. I actually, t- and I'm not going to say who he is, cause, but, but he does pastor uh, a church in this building. Uh, and I sent, I sent a text message and I said, you are an amazing person. It was in the middle of another conversation we had, but I just responded and said, you are an amazing person. And this individual texted back and said, yes, that's exactly what I am. Amazing. <laughs> so it's not even that great of a thing to do with friends. But uh, look at what somebody else said. You wouldn't say that if you saw what I was eating. <laughs> Maybe a little too forward there. Another one said this. Hey, since I'm in the doghouse right now, can you tell my family that? And Dan said, oh, what'd you do? And he said, do I know you? Nope, random stranger. I skipped my wife's family reunion to go four-wheeling and got busted. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, somebody else said this. I know who this is. I think, I hope, I really hope. <laughs> and then somebody else went even a little bit farther and said, who is this? Is this Amanda? Please tell me this is Amanda. There is no one else in the world I want to hear it from more. Some people are just, they're, oh. And somebody said this, honey, if you think that, you don't know me at all. Which is funny until you realize that actually there were several responses. Look at the next one. Said, there is no way you have the right number. I am not a great person at all. Nobody in this world thinks so. Please don't text me again. And then here was another one. Then why am I alone? And another one said, my mom doesn't think so. And kind of the flip side of that, 
Will you please tell my kids that? We've been there. Somebody else said this. said, I'm a mom, and sometimes that's really nice to hear. So Dan said, for you, it's double true. She said, I work really hard. Nobody has ever told me that. Going to cry. Who are you? Somebody else said this. said, you have the wrong number, but I wish you didn't because nobody ever tells me that anymore. He said, oh, why is that? She said, because I got old and had kids and turned into a pile of sludge, I guess. And then, not sure what the LOL is revealing there. And then there was this response. Wrong number, but whoever you are, I'll pretend it was meant for me. And this probably, this series of responses probably gets at the heart of where most of us might be if we were going to respond to something like this. Look at the next one said, who is this? Who told you to send this? Was it Amy? No one else knows how crappy life is at the moment. No, not Amy. Just someone who thought it and wanted you to hear it. Well, now I'm just going to cry. Who is this? And look at the next one. The next one says, can you please text me every day and tell me that? Please, pretty please, pretty, 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 please. And then one more said this. Oh, thank you, whoever you are. I needed to hear that today of all days. He said, well, it's 100% true. Don't ever doubt it. And then, love this, please keep texting me forever. And isn't that where most of us find ourselves, at least some of the time? Where we would do so much better if we had someone who could text us, uh, who could speak to us, could, could give us encouragement every day. You're an, you're an amazing person. God has created you and redeemed you to be something wonderful. And to have that kind of of reminder on a constant basis. That's where just a random person says, I need to know that. I need to hear that. Please, please keep this up. Can we, can we do forever? Can you send me one of these every day? We find ourselves in that place. In fact, this week I came across a tweet by a pastor named Paul David Tripp, and uh, it struck me so, so solidly that I printed it out at my office and uh, Uh, put it to the left of where I sit every day, and it says this. This is actually a picture of it. You wake up this morning to big, powerful grace, bigger than your biggest weakness, bigger than your biggest failure, and more powerful than your most powerful sin. And when I read that, I thought, I need to know that every day when I sit down before I start my work. And through the day, I need to, to have something there that can remind me that the powers that are at work, I feel a lot of times against me, the powers of this world, the things, the, the draw and the temptation of sin and all that the enemy would send against me, there's a grace that's more powerful than all of that. There's a Scripture that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so I, I put that up and, and we all need reminding of what it means to be a child of God, of what it means to live in a world that sometimes is hostile to the things that we believe and the things that we love and the things that we're striving for, we need those reminders. And so it would be good. Please keep texting me forever. We could all say that together. So I want us to look in Romans. And and I'll tell you up front, my goal today, I I have one primary goal. 20 little ones, but one big one. My one big goal today is to get you to consider if you're not already part of a life group to make 2018 the year you participate, you join a life group. 
I want us to look into Scripture and see, maybe I can help change your perspective. Maybe you've never considered being a life group. Maybe you used to be in a life group and for some reason you're not anymore. Maybe you've, you've thought about it, but you just didn't know if you could accommodate another thing in your schedule. I hope that by the end that you'll realize how important we feel at FCC this is. So let's jump into the text that we read in chapter 15, verse 1. Paul says, we who are strong, and he's talking about conviction and conscience. He's just noted that uh, there are weak people who are great followers of Jesus. And that sounds bad, but we've all been there, right? In fact, if I were to divide the room up and to say, you know, if, if we took away the chairs and said on this side of the room, uh, walk over to this side if you're strong and walk over to this side if you're weak, I believe that probably with everybody here, most of us would probably drift towards strong. But I wonder if when you're sitting on your couch or kneeling beside your bed in prayer time, if you don't just with God and yourself admit that, you know, there's some places where I'm weak. And it's, there's nothing wrong with being weak in some places. And Paul says that throughout chapter 14, he, there's people who think that one day of the week is better than another to worship. There's people that, that think one kind of food is okay to buy and other people who think that that's not at all okay. And that, those sound like petty debates to us, but for the Christians in Rome, it was a huge debate for some of them. It, was, it, it meant a lot so much so that it was causing division. And so Paul has to say, hey, we've got some folks who are weak in these areas and some folks who are strong. Now, I want to say it up front. Uh, we're not talking about solid places uh, where we have to be strong in our doctrine. In fact, uh, I, I went and grabbed one in between services. We have a vision guide out there in the hub and you can grab one. But the first the inside of the cover, the first page of that vision guide is the basic statement of beliefs where we as a church and, and the, the elders and, and pastors have pretty much said, hey, these are our non-negotiables. And we're not talking about those areas. But there's only you know seven or eight of those areas. Now, there's some others where we have strong convictions, uh, but we recognize uh, that there are going to be some deba- there's going to be some debate, there's going to be some argument in some areas. Uh, and a lot of things ultimately, Paul says, I know it sounds crazy, but a lot of things ultimately just aren't that big a deal. And so the question is, when these things that that are kind of sideline or secondary things, when they cause division, how should we respond? And we've all been there. But Paul says, we who are strong have, look at the word he uses, have an obligation to bear. Now, that's not just to tolerate. That's not just to put up with. That's not just to kind of shrug them off and hope one day that they'll be better. But actually, it's, it's the same word that Paul uses in the letter to, to the Galatians where he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the love of Christ. So he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings or literally weaknesses of the not strong. And not to please ourselves. Paul says this is an obligation that we have. It's not just a best practice. Uh, This is actually a commandment and the way that the church should work. 
This is the way believers should behave all the time. He says in, in the next verse, he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So Paul says, if I'm a believer and I've got areas that I'm strong in and I see someone who in those areas is weak, the obligation is for me to put my own needs to secondary and make my neighbor's needs primary. If you live in 21st century America, you know this runs counter to just about everything that we're fed all the time. Put yourself first, your dreams, your ambitions, your goals. Self-pleasing is the name of the game in the culture that we live in. And it's easy to get caught up in that and wrapped up in that. It's easy to feel entitled it's easy to just want to push people away. But Paul says, if we are being the people that God has called us to be, the people that the Spirit is creating us to be, we have an obligation to put ourselves second and to push others to the front, to help others. So there's somewhere where, where I'm strong and I have a firm belief and someone is wavering. I, I don't just shrug them off, but I put them in a place where I can assist them, help them in any way possible, and understand that we're walking this road together. He gets pretty firm in this. He says, please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And let's be honest, while we all want to walk over to the strong side a lot of the times, there's places where I'm weak. There's places where you're weak. It's, there's places where we need someone who's strong to help us. We're not as strong oftentimes as we think we are. And so in, in taking this mindset, just watch how, how Paul works this. First of all, look at the example he gives. He says, for Christ, powerful as he was, for Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he brings a, a quotation from the 69th Psalm and, uh, and he applies it to Jesus. And basically he says, as powerful and as perfect and as great as Jesus was, he did not, Paul has said in another letter, he did not uh, uh, grasp at equality with God, but he, made himself, he set himself back so that when people reproached, when people through offenses and insults at God, they actually fell on Jesus. And he could have looked out for himself. He's the only person ever that could have looked out for himself and it would have been okay. But he didn't. And Paul says, that's our example. And in pulling that quotation, it's almost like Paul has this other thought. Look at verse 4. He has this thought and he says, hey, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. It's a little digression, but it's a good one. He says, just think back to the, to the examples that we can pull out of what we now call the Old Testament. Think of the, the, the people that we see who decided that even though they were strong, they were going to use their strength to help the weak. And he says, those people can teach us and can instruct us. Let me say it this way. You have a strength in some way in your life. You, you are strong in certain areas. 
And your strength was not given to you for you. Let me say that one more time. Your strength was not given to you for you. The strength that you have was given to you for others who aren't as strong. And so I'm not, I'm not recommending that we walk around uh, shoulders held out and chest puffed up uh, and looking uh, to be the rescuer of, of other people. But I am saying that what if we took the perspective that we recognize that we have certain strengths and we have certain weaknesses and in those areas where we are strong, we need to exercise that strength on behalf of others so that they might also become strong. And then to look for people that can help us in our areas of weakness in order to exercise those muscles so that they can get stronger and we can come in. Now, watch what happens as Paul finishes up here. In verse 5, he says, he begins a little a kind of a mini prayer. And he says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. And what harmony means there, and some translations actually say, one mind and one voice. Others say it this way, say, you need to think the same. And obviously, he's not saying think the same thing about everything because he's saying it's okay not to think the same thing about everything. But he's saying the bigger way to think is we're going to have differences. There's going to be some places where we disagree. Back in the summer, if you remember, we did a a sermon series about some some hard topics, some some tough uh, things. And uh, we basically came down and said some people believe this about a certain subject and some people believe this uh, And some places we have to take a stand and there's other places where we just have to say it's okay. It's okay. That that doesn't have to be a divider between us. So Paul says to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, verse 6, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And Paul, now we get to where he was going. He says, I don't want the church in Rome... And I think he's telling us today, I don't want the church in Greenville. I don't want the congregation at FCC. I don't want you to think that unity is for the sake of unity. And sometimes we think that. Sometimes we want to coexist for the sake of coexisting. And that's not the goal. The end goal isn't uh, this unity and harmony so we could say, look how unified, look how harmonious we are. Instead, Paul says, if we can get to that point where we agree that we're going to disagree about some things and be united, that that's okay. That's going to allow us to bring glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal. One of the church fathers said the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the ultimate goal is to... uh, Glorify God. And Paul says the only way you're going to do that really, really well and convince a a lost world that they should come join you is to understand that there's going to be some differences and they don't have to divide. They don't have to be divisive. And then he wraps it up in verse 7 and says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome one another 
as Christ has welcomed you. You of all people. You of all people. Jesus looked at you and said, I'll take you. You think I'm making that up? Look, just ten chapters earlier, Paul has talked about who we were when Jesus did what He did for us. And he uses words like this. Powerless, which is the same word as weak. Then in in verse 6 of chapter 5, he says, ungodly. Then in verse 8, he says, sinners. And in verse 10, oh, he goes there. He says, you were enemies of God. Jesus welcomed us when we were weak, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were enemies of God. And Paul basically says, if Jesus can welcome you in that kind of shape, do you really think that you have any excuse not to welcome, not to accept, not to receive one another? Surely you can put up with me and my belief about facial hair. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Surely I can put up with you. With all of yours. Isn't it silly the things we fight about? Isn't, isn't it great? Here's, here's one thing we've realized. And in fact, we, we shared this with life group leaders uh, just a few weeks ago in training. In life group, we, we build uh, the word portion, the scripture portion, around the previous Sunday's sermon. And we challenge people to dig in, get a study Bible and find out what it says. Do some exegesis. That's a big word for some people. But just look through Scripture and see what it's saying and and do some research on it and find out not just what Scott or one of the pastors has said, but find out what it says and and what that means for you. But we, we challenge life group leaders, don't just leave it out here in theory and in thought. Because... Let's just, let's just be really blunt about it. When we talk about theology in theory, we get really stupid really fast. We can make words matter and terms matter and Greek letters matter that I don't know were ever meant to matter, but we can do it because it's all out here. And so we challenge our life group leaders, uh, make sure that you bring everything back into how does this apply to my life and how I live? I need, I need to, I need to live this out this week, and so how am I gonna do that? How am I, what does this mean when I wake up on Tuesday morning and have to go back into a, a job that, that I've been challenged with, or have to go back into, to a class that I don't care for the professor, or how, how, however it may apply, let's make it apply, because if we leave it out here in the theory world, we get stupid real fast, but if we make it, how do I apply, how do I obey this, this week? It becomes, it becomes meaningful. And Paul says, when it all comes down to it, are you welcoming other people the way that Christ welcomed you? Now I know, I know, that some of y'all just don't like people. Right? I remember a, a Peanuts cartoon one time, and Lucy looks at, I think it's Linus, we, we, we think it's Linus. He didn't have a blanket, but we think it was Linus. And uh, she says, uh, you can't be a doctor. You don't even like mankind. And Linus says, uh, 
I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. And isn't that where we sit there sometimes? I, I love the general thought of people uh, being together and mankind and humanity. But man, it's individual people that just really get under my skin. I want to, I, I want to challenge you, and I want to do it uh, not just with theology from Scripture, but I, I want to do it with a scientific study. It's a pastor by the name of John Ortberg that wrote a book, great title. It's called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And in there, he referenced the study that he said was one of the most exhaustive studies ever done on human relationships. It's called the Alameda County Study. And a Harvard uh, scientist led the experiment uh, and uh, they followed, they tracked 7,000 people over the course of nine years. And I've got to read this to you. Here's what they found. They found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. So let's put it into jargon that we'll all understand. It's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than it is to eat broccoli alone. You know you want that to be true. (laughs) And I just gave you science and Scripture that backs it up. We have an obligation to be with other people. And so uh, I want to challenge you today. Be a Twinkie person. This is how much we believe it. We believe it so much that we we are in the process and we have been over the last couple of months to make it as easy as possible for you to sign up and connect in the life group today. You can go out in the hub after service. You can pull it up on your phone at FCCGreenville.info and you can connect in the life group right now. You can get a message this week letting you know when they're meeting and how often they'll meet and those types of things, the things that you need to know. We want to make it that easy. That's how much we believe this is important. We also believe it's so important that as you leave today, everybody gets a Twinkie. And here's what we want you to do. If you like Twinkies, uh, eat it. And take a picture of yourself stuffing it in your mouth uh, and hashtag it at FCC Twinkies. If you don't like Twinkies, feed it to your toddler or your dog. Take a picture of that to hashtag at FCC Twinkies and, or FCC Twinkie and let it serve as a reminder. Because we all go through those times where we want to isolate and just back off. Give me my space. We understand, but the, the fact of the matter is, if that's who you are, you're living out of weakness. You're living out of weakness when you say, I don't want to be around other people. Because Paul said, we who are strong have an obligation. We have an obligation. So my challenge, as I said, what's keeping you from connecting in community? This right here, this is great. Sunday service, great. Worship, engage in worship. It's great. But the growth that God wants for you cannot just happen here. 
It's in groups of people, a few together, praying, reading Scripture, connecting with one another. That's what really counts. That's what is going to bring you the growth that you want for 2018. So how about it? How about it? Eat your Twinkie. Connect in the life group. Let's pray. Father, there's no better place we could be to wrap up a year than right here together with people that are striving to follow You. And I want to thank You for each person that's here. I believe that You wanted them to be and I thank You that they were obedient to get up and come out this morning. Lord, we've got a lot to look forward to, some of us tonight, celebrating, bringing in a new year. But right now is an important place where we can just submit to You and Your work in us. And Lord, for some of us, that's really scary because we don't like people. We're scared of them. Maybe we've been hurt. And Lord, we don't overlook that. There's somebody here that's been hurt because they did try to connect with people. And Lord, that happens. And we see that the insults that they aim toward God, they fell on You. Lord, You got hurt by people. But I pray that we would live instead of out of weakness, out of strength. And we would see the obligation that You've placed on us. That the areas that we are strong, we need to live out of those areas because somebody might be depending on us. Our strength is not for us. So help us to use it as You have, as you have challenged us for others. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, before they sing, I want to give you a chance for an invitation. A big invitation I make to you one more time. Connect in the life group. If you've got a question about it, please see me or Shannon Saland or Allison Stolenmeyer after service. You can check us out in the hub. You can find us. If you've got questions, if you, if you want to offer your home to host a life group, if you want to offer your services to lead or assist in leading a life group, we want to have that conversation with you. If you go home and think about it, we want to catch up with you next week. We're having a training session just next week, so we want to do that. But I don't want to—I don't want to fail to also give you another invitation to come forward as we sing this song. If today you just need to make a fresh start, maybe somebody you've never—you've never prayed for forgiveness for your sins and to follow Jesus for the first time. This would—is there any better way than to end a year? By committing your life to Jesus. Maybe you need a fresh start. And so you would just like to come up and say, hey, I, w- I want to I talk about baptism. I want to I see what it means to be a member. I, w- I want to see what it means, what, what I need to do next. We want to have that conversation. There's people here that will have that conversation and pray with you. So can we stand right now and as they sing, if that's you, please come forward in Jesus.